John chapter 13, verses 1 to 17. It's where Jesus is preparing his disciples for his own crucifixion, and this is the last meal he had with them. It was just before the Passover feast, Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing. But later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part of me. Then Lord Simon replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. And Jesus answered, a person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. And when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have sent you, set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Father, we pray that as we reflect on your word this morning, uh, you will encourage us, inspire us, build us up with the truth of your word and the truth of our lives as you see us and as you call us to be. So we ask, Father, that you will take these words and use them, imperfect though they are, to be an extraordinary message from you to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Kind of intimidated here because Rosie said, I've got to keep it real short this morning. You know, and she's, 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 she's talking now, so she doesn't even know I'm talking about her. <laughs> I said, I'm intimidated because Rosie said I've got to keep this thing short. <laughs> but, you know, who knows? Um, I want to talk about the truth will set you free. And that's, I think, what John is talking about. We're going to, to look at John, uh, John um, his letter, 1 John 3. You go to um, buy a house, and what happens? When you buy the house, you look around, you like the look of it. No, nice bedrooms, nice like the fireplace, like the garden. We could live here. And what do you do? One of you goes, you never know. You better have it inspected. And so you call in the building inspector and pay $300. And he tells you, yeah, it's great. But like in my case, I built, well, mine was definitely a little cabin. The whole washroom had rot in the joists. So uh, we had to say, well, there's rot in the joists that has to be replaced so take that off the price. And so we do those inspections to see that what is behind 
is strong so that you know what you're getting. Now, I said I'm going to ask you for something. I want to ask, uh, I, I, I didn't bring my wallet. I need two $20 bills, please. I'll give them back to you. I want to see just how trusting you are. I mean, don't worry. I've never seen anybody move so slowly in my life. <laughs> Lord, I speak against the spirit of mammon. Oh, there, Bev's got a whole lot. Oh, my. Oh, there we go. I've got. Uh, well, thank you very much. Thank you, sister. <laughs> it's a game of golf there. Would the women give the money? The men just go, huh? Actually, Ken did stir. Now, I want to talk about, you know, this, the house thing. How do you know these are genuine? You kind of hope they are, don't you? You hope and trust. But you also know there's a good chance that they're genuine because there are people who specialize in making sure the currency is not flooded with counterfeit currency that would devalue it. I went to a website. I'm going to keep this for the morning, but I'll give it back to you, Diane, don't worry. Um, Every couple of weeks we do this somewhere else and, you know, keep, keeps the, you know, times are hard. You've got to do what you've got to do. <laughs> when um, I came across a, a pamphlet uh, in, about the Bank of England and the Bank of England notes, and they listed about... Nine, at least nine things they do to spot fraud and spot uh, uh, counterfeit notes. I'll go through them quickly. You can use a detector pen. pen. Some, of the, some of the stores use them. You put your, the pen on it and it has a chemical reaction, but it doesn't work for all of them. That bank notes are printed actually in England anyway. I don't know about here. In, in, in they... they they get larger the larger the denomination. So if it's $5, the $10 is bigger, the $20 is bigger, the $50 is bigger. They're not all the same size. You feel the paper and the print, and apparently you can feel the, the, uh, the, the, some of the print is ra- raised from the, uh, the, the paper. You can feel the, the, the print. There's a metallic thread uh, around, every, embedded in every note, and if you hold it up to the light, it looks like a continuous dark line. There's a watermark, which is the Queen's portrait. You can check the print to see that there's sharp lines and no smudgy edges. It's very crisp. There's a hologram that if you tilt, it shows, what does it show? It shows a brightly colored picture of Britannia and the numerical value of the note. You have uh, the UV light test, which they also use in the supermarkets very often. You put them under UV light and and the value appears in bright red and green and the background is the dull contrast. Uh, there's micro lettering with a magnifying glass underneath the portrait of the queen that tells you the value of the note written in English and in the numerical values. The nine tests to, to try and ensure that what is authentic remains authentic and what is counterfeit is spotted and it's very, very difficult to reproduce because otherwise you would devalue the whole currency and the whole economy upon which the world is based. The integrity of the currency is enormously important and you want to see a sad um, 
example, we've, we've all watched this happen over the last probably 10 years in Zimbabwe, the currency just going into millions. It's become worthless. So how do you spot the difference between counterfeit and the real thing when it comes to the Christian world? I mean, Jesus was just a good man. Jesus was just one of many who claimed all kinds of things about God. And so you have to learn how to say, well, how do you detect whether Jesus is the same as Muhammad or Buddha or it's just not a bunch of the same all going in the same direction? Either he was unbalanced or he was the real deal. The reason you can say that with Jesus particularly is because his whole identity and all his teaching is wrapped up in his identity. He doesn't put his teaching on one side and he stands on the other and say, follow my teaching. He never says that. A lot of other spiritual leaders say that. He says, uh, I am the way, the truth and the life. Follow me. So his identity is intricately linked up with his word, his gospel, his truth. He said, I am the way, I am the truth. And I am the life. So in terms of Christian um, discernment, in, in terms of Christian, uh, how do I know what is true? We might look at the evidence of the scriptures would be one. We might look at Old Testament prophecy. We might look at eyewitness accounts. Those people who were around at the time of Jesus and spoke about him, both historically and theologically. You might look at archaeological evidence that is all over the Middle East that authenticate what is written in the Word of God in the Bible. You might look at the testimony of people both there at the time and the testimony of people from that time right up into this who say, I have experienced Jesus, I've seen Jesus, I've seen the risen God. Knowing Jesus has brought me into a relationship with God that I would never have had otherwise. You, in other words, examine the evidence and you start saying, not everything can be true. And if we who are evil know how to be so paranoid about our counterfeiting skills, how much more when it comes to God? And I speak like this this morning because we live in a culture that is incredibly double-minded. We will be paranoid about counterfeit money and then go, relating to spiritual truth, we'll just go, who cares? It looks real to me, so it must be real. And if I have a counterfeit note in my hand and I hand it in and I'm caught and I say, well, it looks real for me, it's not going to cut it. This will say, excuse me, sir, you've got a counterfeit note, we're going to arrest you. When it comes to spiritual truth, we've got real slack. And the result is spirituality in our culture in the West is devalued. We're a spiritual Zimbabwe. Anything goes Everything is possible and nothing really matters that much. Because I don't want to offend you by telling you the bill you held is counterfeit. It's either real or it's not. So, God said and Jesus said the truth will set us free. And I reckon that means the truth will set me free. The truth about God and the truth about me. And John in his letter talks about Christianity. 
He's a third generation guy and he's talking to people who have been in the church. They haven't seen Jesus. He started to see the church beginning to build. He's watched from his own eyewitness account of spending time with Jesus to now 80 years later, possibly 60, 80 years later. He's, he's got a feel for both the gospel he inherited and witnessed and the culture that is now beginning to shape it. And he's speaking to people who are getting concerned about what do we really believe. People like us. And I just want to bring out some of the things he talks about because John is speaking as someone who was the last eyewitness of Jesus. And I come back to this, but he saw the real deal. And he was also watching how gradually, gradually, gradually the counterfeiting began to happen in people who called themselves Christian. His letter starts by the, one of the most quoted uh, passages in, in, in chapter 1, verse 8. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word has no place in our lives. What's he saying there? He's saying the basis of Christianity is understanding that all human beings are actually counterfeits, or think they are. And when Jesus came into the world, he was the only freshly minted bill the world had ever seen since Adam. And because the counterfeit was so ra- was everywhere, counterfeits thought they were genuine because they had no frame of reference. So what does it mean to live authentically as a follower of Jesus? How do I know that I'm the real thing and I'm not a forgery? Remember in Acts chapter 8, uh, Peter was praying with some people for them to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And there was Simon uh, was there and Simon came up to him and said, can I give you some money so that I can have this, so that I can actually give this gift to people? And Peter got real mad with him. He said, how dare you think that you can ask to buy from God what is his free gift? In other words, Peter was real jealous about keeping the authenticity of what God was doing. It's not for sale. And in our day, uh, we have a lot of talk about hypocrisy, of self-centeredness, about hype, of all kinds of things. Uh, good marketing, you know, you can play the right music, you can give the right spin, you can show a good audiovisual. There are a lot of ways to package something that looks like truth, but it might not be truth. And we are very gullible, easily seduced people at this point in time. And increasingly so, because we are a culture right now that is becoming less and less rooted in anything. And so we tend to believe whatever feels good. So going back to these banknotes, 
John says all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. What happens if the truth of God is... Well, let me put it this way. I hold up these two, two banknotes and, and I say to you, one is a forgery. And then I give them back to you. And you look at them and you can't tell the difference. And I go, in fact, all the banknotes you've got are forgeries. And you go, but I've been using these, they look exactly the same. I say, no, but they're forgeries. See, what Satan did, he was, he picked up humanity and he said, "Uh, you're not loved by God. This is the only place that counts, this life on earth. And you've got to make the best of it. And if you don't, too bad. And he created within humanity a place of isolation, and a place of there is no God, this is it, this is your reality. And human beings began to compete for each other for value, and human beings began to create, compete to each other for all kinds of things about their own identity and their own sense of worth. And some felt more worthy than others and attended to be about how much stuff they could accumulate. And Jesus came into the world as this freshly minted dollar bill. And he said, you fools. Not really you fools, but he said, you have been deceived. You're actually children of God. There's a genuineness in you that you don't even know you've lost touch of. And I'm coming to restore back to you the worth that you were given by God. And so becoming a Christian is about saying to Jesus, I have thought of myself as independent and isolated and just my own thing all my life. I didn't realize that I was minted by God to be restored into his currency. That's what John means when he says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. He's basically saying that we have have all fallen short of what God intended for us because of our own identity issues and our own, our own attitudes and everything else. I'm not going into that whole thing now. I'm just trying to show us that the awareness of the fact that I am not what I am meant to be is part of God's truth. And the other part of God's truth is I have come that you might be what you cannot be yourself. Counterfeit is when a human being thinks that they are God. Counterfeit is when a human being thinks that they have no allegiance to anybody but themselves. Counterfeit thinks that the purpose, counterfeit life is when you think that there is no one to give account, account to. That is what it means to be deceived. And we devalue ourselves and we devalue other people. And when Jesus came into this world and he went to the cross, he said, the value I place on you is my life in place of yours. So I'm going to die on the cross for you that you might come into a freshly minted relationship with my father that has been stolen from you for generations. And the only thing you have to do is go to the bank and cash it. I can't do it for you. It's called grace. It's called God doing something before we recognized it and us when we realized it, saying, thank you so much, I'm going. I want to receive that. When I come to the cross, it's like my going under the ultraviolet light. 
And all my sin and all my stuff is exposed. Now there are two lights. There is a light that Satan uses, evil uses. You go under that light and what happens? You're worthless. You'll amount to nothing. Look at the crap in your life. Goes on. Jean's getting quite upset here. Sorry. I mean, you know, it gets. It just accuses, and it exposes all the garbage and all the stuff, and it just. It's it's sort of truth. But it kills you. The life that is Jesus at the cross is, um, give me the stuff that's getting in the way. But the deepest word that's coming out of that light is, I love you. You are a treasure. You're beautiful. You have so much potential. There's so much in you. I've gone to the cross for you. I've poured out my spirit for you. There is a purpose for your life way beyond what you're doing. You don't need to be orphaned anymore. You don't need to be separate. So that light, the light of Jesus at the cross, exposes the truth of the fact that I look and go, shoot, what's happened to my life? I'm way off track. But this is, it's a funny thing because it's not condemnation. It's revelation. And the funny thing that happens at the cross under Jesus' conviction is I don't feel condemned. I kind of feel relieved because I knew in my heart of hearts I was screwed up. And now he's going, I agree. But he says, you know what? You're not condemned. It's like going to the doctor and I get diagnosed with something and he goes, oh my word, I'm going to die. And he says, no, I've got the antidote. He'll be healed in two weeks. Oh, good. That's what the cross is. It's kind of bad news to my ego, but good news to my life. It's real important, this, because this is the core of genuineness and integrity in the Christian faith. Knowing that I know that I am nothing without God. I have been rescued from a counterfeit life, and I'm on the, in the process of being made new. It's also the secret of finding humility. I know that I am flawed, but I'm not condemned. I know that I'm damaged, but I'm not destroyed. I know that I'm weak, but I'm not powerless. It's all these. Par- it's, it's beautiful. It's what Paul says is the earthen vessel with gold inside. Okay, quickly, because Rosie's got to go. Um. <laughs> hey, play with me. I came across this one thing, and you can go and read it, because I won't spend a lot of time on it today. <laughs> um, John says something that I'd not really noticed before, and he says this a number of times. He says, uh, this is what it looks like. Um, let me find this. 2 verse 6. Or verse 3. We know we have come to know him. If we, okay, so, so I've, I've created this sort of foundation now. Now I'm going to go real quickly, and I'm going to give you the, about five tests that John gives us to go, how do I know you're the genuine thing? How do you know that you get, you're on the right track, all right? This will take three minutes, five minutes. So this, he says the same thing each time. He says, Uh, This is how we know. This is how we know. This is how we know. As an older man, he's saying something real clear. And every time he he illustrates this, he says, Christianity is not, what do you believe in? What do you believe in? What do you believe in? What do you think? What do you believe? What do you think? What do you believe? It's not that. 
Everything John talks about is saying, what do you do? What do you do? What do you do? How does that work out in your life? It's a lifestyle. So, he says in verse, chapter 2, verse 3, um, We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. He's not very polite. And the truth is not in him. But if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. In other words, do the stuff that Jesus did. And that is love people. I think it also means heal the sick and learn how to be a channel of the Holy Spirit, a vehicle of the Holy Spirit, God's power and presence in, human, in our time. So he says you've got to walk as Jesus walked. 3 verse 8, I'm just going to go through a couple of things here. 3 verse 8, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Which was, I just want you to know that everybody is undervalued and devalued and there's good news, you have far more value than you realize and that is what Jesus came to do. And he said, I've also come to speak, I've got an issue with the bank of religion. The bank of religion also devalues people in the name of me and I'm not endorsing that one, so I just want you to know that. I'm endorsing the bank that is out of Jesus' heart, minted with his spirit. It's about love and power. Anyway, that's a side. So I've come to destroy the work of the evil one, the one who counterfeits, who is a liar. And I've come to raise up truth. And God's love has been lavished on us. 3 verse 10. Anyone who does not do what is right is not a child of God, nor is anyone who does not love his brother. This is how we know who are the children of God. They do what is right and they love people. Pretty much everyone. Brother is everyone. Let me encourage you, love has got nothing to do with feelings. Love is an action. It's not a feeling. You do what is right because you know what is right to do. You know what is right to do because when you hang around with Jesus, he teaches you what is right. And he starts changing your conscience and your sensitivities. And you start to become concerned about things before you were deaf and dumb to because it suited your purposes to be that way. There's a huge sensitivity in the Spirit of God to how people treat each other. You know that they are Christian by the way they love each other in action, not just, I'll pray for you, sister, and I get out of my way, I've got a golf game. I'm serious. It's a real cool test. I don't like it. 3.16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to, ought to, we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. Very quickly. We ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. What does that mean? What is, what is money for? I'm going to speed up here. What is money for? Money is for spending things on things. We give it in transaction. You lay down your life for somebody. What is your life for? Before Jesus, your life is, it's my life, it's my stuff, it's my time, it's me. And God comes in the name of Jesus and he says, Excuse me, you are mine. You're bought with a price. You're mine. And you should call me Lord. And I've got news for you. Your life is currency. I want to spend your life on stuff that brings life. So the question of an authentic Christian is, Lord, how do you want to spend me? What can I do for you? How can I serve you?
Not just, Lord, please heal me, please help me, please look after the kids, please give me enough, please make sure this, please do that, and it's all me. The authentic hallmark of a Christian life is how much I care about those around me, and I'm willing to be spent for them, not just for myself. I can see you're excited about these tests. If you read through the other stuff, there's uh, one reference that says uh, in... This then is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. Whenever our hearts condemn us, for God is greater than our hearts, he knows everything. If we listen to our hearts, that's what I've said before, listen to your heart. Listen to what goes on in your heart and you'll start hearing God far better. In conjunction with all these other things. He says, those who obey his commands live in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gives. God gives us a spirit that helps us discern truth. Things that we used to accept become less acceptable. It's his spirit working in us. We need to expect that, invite that, say, Lord, here I am. Anything that's getting in your way, I give you permission to nudge me with so that I can be what you want me to be. All right. Go read through 1 John and, I, and just reflect on it yourself maybe. I want to close with Peter's... Uh, experience with Jesus. Very simply, Peter is sitting there and Jesus is washing everyone's feet. And Peter says to him, no, 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 you're not washing my feet. And Jesus says, yes, I am. Well, then wash the whole of me. And he says, no, you don't understand what I'm doing right now, but I need to wash your feet. But you are already clean. I just need to wash your feet. And I just want to encourage us to develop a mentality with Jesus where we stop telling him what to do. And we start allowing him to do what he does. And he says, I've already made you clean. If you've called me Lord, if you've come to the cross, I've already made you clean. But I'm in the process of also making you clean day by day. And so... You need to come to terms with one, two things. The one is, I want you to come to terms with the fact that I need to wash you daily. And I also want to love you daily. So that you can share with others what you have received. But it's in a place of humility. That I, don't, I God, do not owe you anything. And I'm not actually asking for your permission. I'm really inviting you to a place where you go, how are you going to spend the rest of your life? On yourself or on others? And the tests of authenticity of the Spirit of God in us are that we spend our lives serving others and caring for others and placing the will of God above our own will. The cool thing is, because there are two voices speaking to you right now, One will be the Spirit of God and one will be the Spirit of the enemy. And the Spirit of the enemy will say, listen to God and he'll ruin your life. And the Spirit of Jesus says, listen to me and you'll find life. And you go, how does that work? How can you serve people and still be have fun? He goes, because I've created in you, each one of us, I've created in you a, a certain way that fulfills you. And so... The things that actually I want you to do are things that you're going to enjoy doing. So don't be so afraid. 
But my prayer is that God will, I better give you this back before I get accused of it. Um, I swapped them. <laughs> I, I just, I just uh, want to encourage us to press into something more than what we have. And to press in for a deeper work. You gave me three. But you see, you are blessed. You thought you gave me two. I could look generous. I just, uh, just as we, as, we, as we close this morning, I just encourage you to come before the Lord and say, Lord, I want your truth. You see, we want, I think, in our culture, we talk about speak the truth to one another, and it's either negative or it's I just want to speak what you want to hear. And Jesus says, if you do that, you won't be free. You'll just become increasingly inter- uh, codependent. You'll never get healed. And so John speaks and he says, you really need to allow the truth of God to form your life. And just know that that is going to come up against the stuff that is false. And when it does, it doesn't mean you're bad and that you're rejected. It just means you're part of a broken world. And all I'm doing is showing you parts of you that are getting in the way of receiving more of me. And because that part of you is so familiar, you're going to feel like it's dying. And I have to help you learn that that part has never brought you life, actually. And that's why we need one another and we need to walk alongside each other because the pathway to life and authenticity in God's kingdom on earth as in heaven is a process. And it's a process of discovering the genuine and walking out of the counterfeit. And John says there are some things that you can look at and go, this is how you know what is true. Let's stand. And why don't we just in the quietness of where we are right now, because I'm not trying to speak to your head alone. I think God wants to also speak to our hearts. Why don't we just bring to him who we are? There's no condemnation in God at all. Nothing. And Father, we just come before you as human beings who are a mixture of all kinds of stuff. We place ourselves at your cross under that ultraviolet light. And we give you permission to reveal to us in love anything that's getting in the way of your embrace, as we talked about earlier this morning, the embrace of the Father. As you stand here this morning, be aware that the Father, God the Father, loves you more than any other human being has ever loved you or you've ever experienced in your life. Listen to your heart and thank him for his love for you. It doesn't matter how well you know him or how little you know him because he loved you first. So, And give him permission to love you. You know, we need to do this often. We never grow too mature or too wise. Jesus used to say to the Pharisees, you search the scriptures, you love talking about theology, but you never come to me. We need to come to him often. 
And just thank Him for loving you. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will just pour out that sense of love, that sense of acceptance, that sense of hope and a future, that sense of being known. And God searches your heart right now. He knows if, if you're even bored with him right now. He still loves you. He knows if you're feeling discouraged or disillusioned or indifferent. He still loves you. And then, Lord, as your Holy Spirit works in our hearts and lives, we pray that anything that gets in the way, you will reveal. And sometimes that will appear to us as something that we really don't want to let go of. We go, if I open my heart right now and if I listen too carefully, he's going to do this to me. Well, he knows that anyway, so you can tell him about that. You can say, God, you know... If I open my heart to you right now, you're going to challenge me on this area, which I know I don't really want to let go of. Well, you just tell him that. Tell him I don't want to let go of it. And then give him permission to melt you so that you can. It's a really cool prayer, which is, Lord, make me willing to be more willing. Because God's saying to each of us today, you know, I didn't come for a belief system. I came to change your life. And in changing your life, I came to release my love in you that others might know my love because of you and your relationship with them. And then finally, let's bring before the Lord, how do we see our lives? Do we see our lives as they are ours to possess or do we see our lives as currency that God wants to spend to bring life to others and you can give him permission to say Lord I just give you permission that my life might be used in a way uh, that will honor you and that will be valued it won't be wasted And when other people come in touch with me, they'll go, you know, he or she is really genuine. I really sense God in them. It's cool. They're not counterfeit. And the greatest news of all is that Jesus says, I send my Holy Spirit that you would have his presence and his strength to change you from the inside out all the time. So receive the Holy Spirit, be filled with the Holy Spirit, be drenched in the Holy Spirit, to become all that God has created you to be, as genuine, as real, as living, vibrant, passionate human beings. Full of truth and mercy and grace. We thank you, Lord, and we bless you. We pray for your truth to be something that really guards our lives and our hearts. That we will be a people who are increasingly set free by that truth. In Jesus' name. Amen. So we'll sing, I think we'll just sing two songs, You Are Good and uh, Mighty to Save.
sing one song about which is a, is is about the uh, goodness of God, and we the reason we sing a few songs as we finish is to is to allow God to actually embed what we're hearing inside us.